doing really well. Well, because I've written this football book about the Youth Cup, and it was lovely to talk to Lee Fowler, who told me all about what was going on at Coventry at the yes. end of the Strachan era, at the beginning of the Strachan era. Sloman, is that the pronunciation? That's the one, yeah. Excellent. Adam Sloman is the latest chap to sidle on down to the football library and Adam you get your football library card which is all laminated it enables you to read any program and any magazine and any book including the magazine of MG Car Club <laughs> we've got them in there too because all the all the publications to do with any author so you revitalized that magazine how many people read an issue Blimey, so when I worked for the car club, we had uh, about 12,500 members in the UK uh, and another 1,000 or so around the world. So it, it was pretty well read. And then obviously people would hand it off to their mate who happened to have an MG as well. So it... Did uh, Chris Evans subscribe? He briefly joined the car club, um, from what I remember. Um, but he wasn't around for too long. He didn't, didn't sort of involve himself for too long with mg but um but yeah he was uh, he was obviously very famous for having bought one of those nice expensive frontline mgvs that uh, all the celebs were buying yeah he's a car person he he launched car fest and he's since uh, yes. launched run fest because he puts his finger in the wind and finds out where the wind blows and that's why he's a genius even though his shtick is literally timmy mallet meets danny baker that is literally <laughs> what he does Genius is steel. But I have, I have no interest at all in cars. Um, but I did watch Top Gear for the banter. Do you think yeah. that, looking back, the three of them were good for the car? Not the car club, but just the, the hobby of carring. I think cars have become a lot more sort of part of people's everyday culture. Um, I mean, we, you know, the cars have moved from being sort of a tool to being part of our lifestyle now, I think. Um, that's certainly true of where I work now. You know, we are a, we're an automotive lifestyle brand now. But our whole purpose is to is to save driving and keep people using and enjoying enjoying cars. So, um, yeah, I think they were good for it, definitely. How soon are we going to get fully electric vehicles? Because petrol prices at the moment are, as you are aware, like beyond astronomical, they're kind of in yeah. kind of Neptune at the moment. Yeah, I, I made the I made the incredibly wise decision to get rid of a very frugal 1.5 diesel and switch to a two litre turbo petrol. So um, I, I'm feeling the pinch at the pumps at the moment, definitely. God, but, I, um... I dread to think how much it costs. <laughs> Maybe a hundred quid to fill up a two litre. I had a 1.2 Volkswagen Polo. Nice, nice. It, it cost me £82 to fill the tank on, on Saturday, which was um, shocking when I live uh, an hour and hour and a quarter from Coventry. So if I want to go to a, to a home game, that's a good sort of three-hour round trip. Um, and I've, I've got something of a heavy right foot. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's not the most see. economical of vehicles. Oh. And <laughs> which football ground is that that you go to nowadays? So it's uh, at the moment it's the Coventry Building Society Arena, as it's currently known, or as it was known, the Rico Arena. Yes, Reg Rico is now. Has the sponsorship lapsed? So the sponsorship actually lapsed a couple of years ago, um, but uh, the rugby club, whose name shall not be spoken, um, struggled to find a replacement headline sponsor. Um, so Rico actually remained the title sponsor for a good couple of years after the deal ended. 
Um, but last summer, um, the the Coventry Building Society uh, snapped up a deal for a, I think it's a ten year naming rights deal they've got. Yeah, uh, bringing Cov back to it's had its issues. I remember following Coventry in the Dion Dublin era because I fell for football in 1996 and it was very rare for Manchester United to lose at that time and when <laughs> Coventry beat Man United I think it may have been Boxing Day 96 or 97 It was yeah it was I think it was the day after Boxing Day and it was a 3-2 win Yeah 3-2 um, yeah courtesy of that amazing goal from Darren Huckabee I mean that was for, for me that was sort of prime Cov era. Um, growing up in Devon, I, I'm, I'm not from Coventry. Um, I was born in Exeter, um, but my dad, who was actually my stepdad, was from Coventry and was a huge uh, Coventry City supporter and dragged me into the Sky Blue Army. So when we were doing things like that, I meant I could go to school on a Monday morning and all the kids that supported Man United and had only ever seen Old Trafford on the telly couldn't say a word to me because you know we we beaten them and you know we were we were a decent side that was probably the the peak of our sort of time in the in the in the modern premier league era uh, when it was called the premiership yes in those days yes. and an even more recent era uh is that's what it sounds like when you flick your book which i imagine adam sloman <laughs> you've done a lot i'm gonna do because i when this goes out I will be able to flick my book because From Kids to Champions, which I'm not here to promote, is a history, the history of the FA Youth Cup and is out on May the 2nd. And it will include Coventry's two defeats at the FA Youth Cup final in 1999 and 2001 to a West Ham team who, I don't know if you know this, but I was told that they essentially got a load of ringers from the first team. Yeah, I had heard that. I knew uh, we were obliterated in the final, if I seem to remember. Yeah, I'm not going to remind um, you it was 6-0 and 3-0, but <laughs> it was closer in 2000 against Arsenal, and there is a lot of talk about how Coventry just came up against two very good sides. But one thing that's very impressive is that the Coventry Academy keeps producing great young talent, um, many of whom are written about in Rise Together, Coventry City under Mark Robbins, who has done a very rare thing this month. What has he done? He set a record, hasn't he, for longest-serving Coventry manager for, for something like, he's done that five, is it five years now? Yep, over yeah. 200 games now. Which, which is, a, is a really rare thing for a, for a Coventry. The, the proper revolving door stuff at, at, at City for, for so long. Yeah, five years at Watford, you'd be given a statue or something will be very wrong. But at a club like Coventry... <laughs> Uh, where since the debacle that we do not speak of, uh, it seems to the lay football fan that Coventry, the tanker has been turned around and currently on the 24th of March, you're in 11th place. Look, will you be disappointed if you don't reach the playoff this year? Um, Honestly, no. Um, I think it would have been a season too early for us. And... Having sort of spent so much time just researching the book and and really trying to get into the the mindset of where the club sees themselves today, um, it's about progress. You know, we we've made huge strides over the last five years. Okay, this year the stride has not been so far. Um, 
But the thing is, Robbins keeps making progress with the team and, and the club as a whole keeps making progress. So for us to be sat here with, what, eight, nine games to go and be on the same number of points as we got for the whole of last season, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. I think to beat Sheffield United 4-1 at home shows that as long as you win your home games, you can do what you want away from home and then yeah. maybe nick the results against, um, well, beat all the sides below you. Um, but it seems that in the championship, Fulham are running away with it. Bournemouth aren't far behind because don't forget, plucky Bournemouth, owned by a Russian millionaire who has escaped, <laughs> who has escaped the recent nonsense because he has, yeah. I think he's got a home in Britain now. Um, he's like uh, Thingy Hull, Asim Alam. And Hull are the yes. team who beat you 2-0. There are several clubs in the championship who seem to be basket cases. You drew 1-1 against one of them. How satis- uh, Derby, how satisfying is it that Coventry City are no longer a basket case? It's hugely satisfying. Um, I do have a, a, a huge amount of sympathy for supporters of clubs like Derby. All football fans should remember that it could happen to, to any of us. You know, we can, you know, some of the chance that people engage in when clubs are going through hard times you know there but for the grace of god and all that um it's it's really it means a hell of a lot to me because my wife makes the joke when so when sarah and i got engaged um we we put our engagement announcement in the program and we we said in the program that i hoped that by the time we got married we would be back in the premier league well that was 2007 that i got married um (laughs) And uh, we, we've never come close apart from one eighth place finish uh, many, many years ago in the championship. So we, we've been through the ringer, um, but for us to no longer be that basket case, yeah, it's um, it's wonderful. I, you know, I sort of have to pinch myself and sometimes you hear some of the things that supporters around me at games say and some of the things they, they call out at the players when things perhaps aren't going as well as they could be. And you think, well, you know, a couple of years ago, I was stood in the pouring rain on a strip of concrete away at Forest Green Rovers watching us lose um, a, a dreadful game. And now here we are with players like Callum O'Hare and, and Gus Hamer and Dom Hyam. And, you know, we've got a proper side now. So let's let's be grateful for where we are and what we've got. Yeah, I mean, that's partly I was talking beforehand. I'm basically going to take a sabbatical from football because what with the Qatar <clears throat> World Cup? and various other horrific aspects to do with the modern game. I just, I don't think the energy I have for certainly elite football is yeah. going to power me through. It would obviously be awful if Watford stayed in the Premier League, because then I'll have to keep watching. But the best thing <laughs> to happen would be this month for Watford to tumble gracefully into the championship so that I could come to the Coventry, hang on, it is in the book. Yeah, I know you've said it, but it is in the book because it's more or less the epilogue is happily ever after the Coventry Building Society arena. <laughs> Set up a Building Society account and watch football at the same yeah. time. After 883 days away from Coventry, the Sky Blues would return to host Nottingham Forest on 8th of August. Did you win that game? We did. We scored a uh, last-minute winner right at the end of uh, injury time. Um, and it's, it's hilarious because there's a couple of guys that sit around. I'm a season ticket holder. Me and my friend Jason, who lives literally two minutes down the road, we go up to each game together. And there's a couple of guys that sit around us and they leave 
on like 83, 84 minutes. They get up and they leave. Yeah, I used to do that at Spurs. It's the only way to beat the traffic. (laughs) But we score so many late goals and every time, I can just imagine they just get to the car park, they hear the roar and they must be like, ah, done it again. Yeah, I, I can't fathom why anyone would leave early. Well, I'm um, I'm very lucky now that I walk to and from Watford. Um, it's it's a really weird feeling because I used to go to Tottenham, and Dad would yeah. Dad would drive us there, and we'd always say, "Let's leave when the ball goes out at eighty six, and then we'd sprint to the petrol station where the petrol was literally about eighty one pence a litre. That was nineteen ninety eight. I remember it well. Um, oh wow! Whereas now, uh, with the Vic, I can walk to and from, but we're not a Premier League team. Uh, we're not even the best team at London Colney's training ground because we share it with <laughs> Arsenal. But um, I would love to see Watford Coventry. It's a really old-fashioned British fixture. The town against the city. Uh, yeah. The legend of Graham Taylor against the legend of Jimmy Hill. Um, and I was going to ask this programme that you put your engagement notice in. Do you have it? I do. I do have it, yeah. It was the, um, I believe, if I remember rightly, it was the final programme from Highfield Road. Um, there was a special programme that they did for the last game at Highfield Road. Um, so we, we literally just got engaged in time, so it's in there. But it's funny you mention Watford. One of my best away nights um, was when we were in League One and we went to Watford away in the League Cup. Yeah. Um, boiling, sweltering hot night. Uh, we got thumped 3-0. Um but the, the City fans did not stop singing for I the was whole there. 90 minutes. I remember being there. We scored a real... I think Saar may have scored, or... I think so. Success? Isaac Success, I think, scored in that game. Uh, but yes, I was really enamoured by your lot. Really, really passionate fans. Yeah, we've got a great, great travelling support. I mean, it's it's nuts. I've been to, been to a couple of away games this year. I don't get to go to as many away games as I like because... I, I also coach football, so my daughter plays football, so I coach, coach her, help coach her team. Um, so I've got to sort of juggle my commitments a little bit and with work as well, being an events manager. Um, so I don't get to as many away games, but the atmosphere um, is, is brilliant. I went to Bristol City away this season, um, and again, an 89th minute winner, and the atmosphere was just phenomenal. Absolutely nuts, but phenomenal. You mentioned your daughter playing football. Coventry ladies... Has And this is another example of why I'm taking a sabbatical from football, because there's the women's Euros this summer, and there's a team in the second tier who were at midnight. They literally were about to go bust. Yes. Yeah, it's mad. So Coventry United ladies were um, originally Coventry City ladies, but they split off... um, when the sort of the things weren't going particularly well, um, so I think at the moment we were a, a senior ladies team, which is a shame. It would be great to see um, that back. But I know the club, again, the club has worked so hard since Dave Body became chief exec. Um, they've, you know, this this idea of progress and, and taking things in the right way um, has come on leaps and bounds. And the Sky Blues in the community, I know, do a lot of work with. Coventry City girls and I think the plan is eventually to get to a point where they have a, a fully fledged ladies team again so um, there's there's so much going right around the club it's um, it's been a really encouraging and a really exciting period the last five years. You you went to Forest Green and they're a kind of sui generis they're in their own club of one but yeah. there are and you don't need me to tell you what's happened to Exeter City 
in the last yeah. 20 years. But everyone who you've grown up with who remain Exeter fans, do they or did they do they own the club? They do. So, so, so my father-in-law is actually an Exeter City season ticket holder um, and a trust member, and makes you know regular contributions to the to the trust. Um, it was funny when when we beat them at Wembley. He didn't speak to us for about a week afterwards. Yeah, no wonder. Uh, <laughs> that have been through it, but they they just don't seem to ever have the wherewithal to to really make a sustained push. They always start brightly and then sort of fade. I mean, God forbid if they get to Wembley again, I think Exeter supporters must be terrified of going to Wembley. Uh, and we will uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pivot to that playoff match now. One of the things that impressed me when I read the uh, playoff match uh, against Exeter was that there were seven academy graduates in the squad. So there is definitely a way of doing things the right way. But Coventry have always produced magnificent young players. You must. Who is the player that you've been most impressed by uh, ever and then in the last five years, let's say, who has come through the ranks? So for me, the, the, my favourite sort of academy graduate ever would probably be Gary McSheffrey. I loved McSheffrey. I was absolutely devastated when he went to Birmingham City. And he was, you know, he was a Cov kid. Um, I can remember standing in the West Terrace and singing, um, he comes from Coventry, he's better than Rooney. Um, oh, I know that the or, fun fact about McSheffrey, which you know, where did he grow up? So he grew up literally just behind Highfield Road. I love that stat. Uh, Lee Fowler yeah. told me that, and you can read about what Lee said about Coventry in my book. But yeah, McSheffrey kind of like, uh, was his face from Norwich with the hair, Cantwell. Cut yes. them and they bleed the club. But it was something he was, from what I remember, McSheffrey was one of those skillful James Madison type players. He was, yeah. And he did, you know, there were rumours of him going to Spurs and all sorts of things like that. And he did, you know, he did very well for himself with Birmingham in the Premier League. Didn't quite work out for him the second time around when he came back to Coventry. Um, but, you know, the guy is clearly, you know, clearly adores his football now, doing everything he can to keep Doncaster Rovers in League One. So, yeah, I mean, he was probably my, my favourite um, my favorite player to come through the academy. But looking at that lineup for the playoff final, I think someone like Tom Bayliss um, was, was a tremendous player, um, really broke through in that season. The image I will always remember is uh, Kevin Nolan scowling at him um, on the touchline in the playoff second leg at, at Notts County when we absolutely blew them away. And Bayliss just walked away with this, you know, this grin on his face, um, knowing exactly what he'd done. Um, but that whole season was such a roller coaster and just just an insane ride for us all to be on because we just about scraped into the playoffs. We weren't in our in our best form. Um, we were never really consistent all the way through the season. I remember I had to go to to India for work in the April, and I landed in Delhi. We were playing Yeovil Town at home. And I switched my phone on as soon as I could because I wanted to find out the result to see that we'd lost 6-2, which, you know, you immediately think, well, OK, who got sent off? Well, no one got sent off. OK, what the hell happened then? Just just an insane game. And, and Jack Grimmer um, was kind enough to, to allow me to interview him for the book. And he had a great story about how he'd been out for a beer on the, on the, on the Friday but hadn't had more than, you know, maybe one, maybe two beers. But Robbins knew that he'd been out for a drink, so we got fined two weeks' wages. And, yeah, it's it's little stories like that, little pivotal moments. And they just make up that, that insane season. Trust 
is an important thing. And it baffles me to see so many managers fail. Uh, I was talking with Gary Thack, who's written a book about Chelsea 2012. Bias Boas started the season. Di Matteo ended it. The thing that Bias Boas didn't have from the players that Di Matteo had was trust and buy-in. And you know Sean Dyche at Burnley, who has now been there uh, two Robins worth of... um, (laughs) Dyche has been there for 10 years. Minimum requirement is maximum effort. Um, Obviously, Robins subscribes to that theory, and it's because he played under the managers that he played under. Yeah. I mean, the other thing about Robbins is that there isn't there isn't any room for sentiment. He is he is very honest with his players, but he's also very fair with his players. Again, talking to Jack, he mentioned the second season when he went from playing fifty odd games that first season to barely second, and how difficult he found that. But you know, Robbins was always very honest with him and said, you know, you're not the best player for that role in the team. So therefore, you're not going to play. I mean, it's for me, it's really interesting if you look at our squad. There are still a, a core group of players that came on us, came with us from that journey from League Two um, through to the Championship. You know, people like Dom Hyam, people like Jordan Shipley, people like Liam Kelly. Who's the club captain? Know, yeah, it just goes to show, you know, the the ability of these players to grow um, and, and come on that journey with us. Um, especially someone like Dom Hyam, who joined essentially, you know, from, from Reading Academy. And to play the way he's played and to develop into the into the player he's become, it's, you know, it speaks volumes of the coaching, and, and but also the drive of the players to continue to better themselves year after year. Yeah, I think just noting down some names here, Eddie Howe took Bournemouth up three divisions. Graham Taylor took Watford up three divisions. Brian Clough took Nottingham, sorry to mention them, took Nottingham Forest from the second tier to the European Cup twice. Um, so yeah, I man. guess you have to put Mark Robbins in that bracket, regardless of whether Coventry do make it up to the top tier. Uh, Martin O'Neill at Leicester, Wickham. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I mean his, his achievement is, you know, he is the modern day Jimmy Hill. He's done... He's done very, 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 very much the same what Jimmy Hill did um, in in taking us from our lowest ebb. You know, the, I, I can remember going to games when Russell Slade was there, and it was it was horrendous. Um, I remember Yakubu signing, and the poor guy, you know, was was so far from fitness. Um, watching him hobble around a pitch for ten, fifteen minutes was embarrassing, not only for us, but and you think this this can't get any lower to drop into League Two, and then there are still a huge number of Coventry fans who feel we have a, a divine right to be in the Premier League. They're idiots. Um, yeah, um, but to to watch us go from playing you know decent sized clubs in the Championship. To, to to dropping all the way down to League Two and no disrespect, losing at home to Newport County. Um, Fan of Newport, it was, yeah, yeah, a great and a great club, um, but it was tough to take, you know, and it made it made the Rico um, as it was then almost a bit. It, it was a bit of an albatross around our neck because there was this massive, you know, thirty-two thousand seat stadium with, on average you know, six to 7,000 people there, unless there were some cheap tickets or unless we were doing well. Um, it, it was hard to take. And I think if we'd spent any more time in that division than that one season, we'd have been really unstuck. So credit to, to Robbins for, for getting us back at the first attempt. There are lots of clubs. Uh, Blackburn, I've been to Ewood Park. Bolton, I went to uh, was yeah. it called the 
the Macron Stadium. It always changes yeah. its name. And even Pride Park, when I went, grounds which had hosted Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, etc. Uh, and it's not the divine right. It's more that if you're paying money, you would rather see that than see anything else. But football, yeah. football is football is football. And there's good football everywhere. But when you have followed the story... When you followed the narrative from the days of the 87 Cup final, I don't know how old you are, but do you remember I'm, the 87 I'm, Cup final? Just about. I'm 40 in May, so... Um, oh, congratulations. Was, so, yeah, you must just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. just about. So, I, you know, it was, it was a huge, huge occasion. And, I mean, my dad's no longer with us. Um, but even watching Highlight when he was still with us, he would, he would tear up um, at seeing those moments. And I do. You know, um, I, I'm a very, I'm a very emotive supporter. Um, uh, before the game started at Wembley, before that playoff final started, I was in tears because we're Coventry City and we don't, we don't go to Wembley. You know, I, my daughter and I went to football league trophy final the year before, and that was fine. You know, it was a nice day out, and if we'd lost, we'd have lost, and it wouldn't have mattered too much. Um, but the sheer sense of pressure. Um, of being in that stadium and knowing that it all comes down to 90 minutes plus extra time and then, you know, do we have another season in League 2 and do we look at players like Biamu and McNulty and, and, and know that they're, they're going to disappear. I mean, McNulty disappeared anyway, but, you know, knowing that there are quality players throughout that team that deserve to be playing at least at League 1 level, if not higher, are going to disappear if we don't do this. Um, the sense of pressure was 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 horrendous, and I just remember my friend Jason putting his arm around me and saying, "Mate, it's going to be okay. Don't worry, it's all going to be okay." And I'm so glad he was right. <laughs> I just wanted to close the first half with the dedication uh, of "Rise Together: Coventry City Under Mark Robbins" by Adam Sloman to my late dad Barry for sharing with me his love and passion for Coventry City to my wife Sarah for indulging me in my obsession, allowing our house to be filled with hundreds of Coventry shirts, programmes, books and photos. To my children, Lily and James, I apologise. You are City supporters for life. Our wonderful trips to Wembley might never come again and I've loved every minute of our time at football together. More on those shirts, programmes, books and photos in the second half. 